0: I had very high expectations for myself coming out of high school and into college. I've spent literally 25 years going from industry, one industry to the next, wanting to make money. I put it off for a couple decades. It made me realize, well, wait a second, I can help these people now. I don't have to wait to become a millionaire. Everything changed. On Monday, I'll have, it'll be 400000 in equity purchase.
1: This is Investor Creator. Tom, welcome to Investor Creator. Thanks, Brad. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm super excited to have you on. So guys, Tom, I've known for about a year, maybe a year, and two or three months, and, and he's had really a meteoric rise in that Denver market. So it's been a lot of fun to see. So, um, just kind of tell us where you're from, how you got started in real estate, and and we'll go from there.
0: Uh, well, I'm originally from Chicago, uh, west suburbs, Oak Park and uh, River Forest. Uh, Frank Lloyd Wright built a bunch of homes there, and Ernest Hemingway established my high school newspaper. But uh, I went to school out west and uh, thought I wanted to uh, be a doctor. And so uh, when I got there, I, I realized that wasn't for me. and. I really didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. And so uh, I got involved in both mortgage banking and brokerage right out of college there. But the uh, earthquake uh, 94 took me out of that market real fast. And so uh, that's when I picked up and moved out here to Colorado. And uh, after that, I spent the next couple decades uh, kind of a jack of all trades. I've worked as a computer technician. I've worked in construction Uh, I I worked at uh, restaurants and uh, made another go back into the uh, mortgage industry. But uh, out here in Colorado, before the 2008 crash, it was uh, unregulated. And so I really couldn't deal with um, having to lie to to people to get loans, which is what people did out here. And so um, I've had the dream of uh, being a real estate investor a long time, but I was one of those that thought, oh, you need money to make money. And so I was trying to chase money in other industries for a long time until I uh, finally made the decision. And this was several years ago. My wife and I were working for a textile technology firm in Boulder. A new CEO came in and cleaned house. And she was part of the second cuts. I was part of the third. And so we found ourselves in Westminster with a house and two cars and two kids and no jobs. Mm. And so uh, I jumped into my car and started doing some Uber and had so much fun with it, I decided to go uh, GoPro. And so I got a limo license and a, and a Chevy Suburban, uh, with the exact intention of finally getting a real estate investment business going. And, uh, that's what I did. And, uh, it, the first couple of years were incredibly hard. I made a lot of sacrifices and time to my family and my sleep and my health and, uh, gave up some of the athletics that I, uh, really enjoy. But, uh, it's been worth it because, uh, I had to put in that time and effort, if you will, to reap the rewards, uh, in, in this Denver market. It's, it was a little tough getting started. So what year
1: was it whenever the layoffs happened and it was like ground zero? Okay. I've got to do something.
0: That was in uh, 2014. Okay. So uh, that was in
1: 2014, which was actually great timing in terms of the market because the market was definitely on an upswing in Denver at that point.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. But, but, uh, I, but my wife and I, uh, it wasn't really until, uh, 2016 though that, um, I, I put the money into, you know, getting myself some training and establishing uh, a business and starting to do some marketing, uh, in the real estate market. And because it was doing so well here with what I was trying to do, uh, I had no success in, in, in the beginning. I was just,
1: yeah and, and I remember Anyone. one of our our first conversations uh, Tom had said one of his prior coaches had mentioned that you shouldn 't get a payoff on a subject to transaction because it would flag the the lender and, and they would call the loan or am I remembering that right or correct
0: yeah, and I was just like,
1: man, this guy had no chance
0: well and and, and so that 's part of um what I discovered you know i 'm um, trying to have the perspective of not having any sour grapes for any of the the training and stuff that I go yeah. through, but that was one of the things that I disliked uh, about my 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 former coach was um, uh, just the I won't call it dishonesty, but w- was just uh, you know not being wholly truthful and and glossing over details, mm-hmm. and you know that's always been a thing about me is uh, I I want full disclosure and I want to be honest and I want to go to bed at night knowing that. I've done the right thing. And so um, that's what I noticed once I started implementing your thinking and strategy and scripts and talking to people is how uh, I can tell people the truth and honestly do business in this town and, and make good money doing it. And so, um, you know, it, uh, I, but, I, but I had to see that other perspective yeah. to, to yeah. be able to appreciate what I have now.
1: Yeah. And I so, appreciate that very much, man. Yeah. You know, it's something that, um, I think that most people can tell when someone's trying to, to beat them up on something and, and they're not being a hundred percent honest. And man, there's been so many transactions where we've gone into the house and said, look, the house is beautiful. You don't need to sell it to me. Just list it. You'll get more money. And at that point they know that we're, we're just like, Hey, we don't need your house. Like just go and do something better for you. Whatever's best for you. We're fine with. And they are just like chase us down to sell the house to us at that point. You know, it's like, no, you're buying the house. You know, like we've literally had people tell us like, no, you're going to buy this house. And like, well, okay. So uh, I definitely agree with you and understand what you're saying there. It was 2014 when you had to make something happen. 2016, you really began to to become committed to the real estate business, but you said you had some, some trouble then. So like, what did you do in 2016? And why didn't that work?
0: Uh, well, I was basically going after retail customers, meaning, uh, you know, off the expired list and stuff, people who were trying to get retail price for their house and things have just been crazy here in Denver with how prices have gone up, uh, with mortgage rates being so low, you know, prices have gone up to match what people can afford. And so, um, Looking at homes down in Denver where it's realistically priced at five hundred thousand compared to comps, and people are asking for six hundred and they're getting it yeah. you know you get a couple from California comes in and uh, they're able to only pay six hundred thousand for a house that will cost them one point two in California right. with half the square footage it's it's a no brainer and so um that's really been the dynamic I mean the numbers in Denver are uh you need to be making a minimum of ninety thousand a year to qualify for a house in this town, and average wage is sixty thousand. Yeah, and so it's just such a such a disparity. Um, with my car business, uh, I have all sorts of professionals that I get to see and and work with from every corporation you can name here on the Front Range, and uh, even the very those doing very well cannot sell their house and move. They'd have to move out of the market uh, to upgrade. You know, there there is no downsizing. You're downsizing into the same priced house, and so um, so that that was the hard part with how I was trying to get in with no money down and uh, just take over payments. Subject to, I came close to a couple deals, but then, for instance, the one contract I had on hand, um, the couple the next day found the renter that they were looking for before Mm -hmm. they found me, and so. Um, you know, I, I I could have held them to task to uh, perform on the contract, but again, that's not me. That's not how I'm going to try to do business. And so I I, I came close with getting a, a a retail subject to deal, but um, I just wasn't getting anywhere. And again, I think a lot of it had to do with how I didn't feel comfortable with what I was saying to people and the scripts I was using uh, to try to get those deals. I basically would go to people's homes and after an hour an appointment, tell them what I really wanted to do. And I have people look at me like, what? Yeah. You want me yeah. to do what? Yeah. And so, um, I, that, that was no fun. And so, uh, uh I, I, really had to, to change my posture. And, um, uh, what really did it was, uh, I, I had, Uh, author of a book called The Diamond Cutter, take a ride for me from the airport to the Four Seasons here in Denver because he was here speaking to the YPO, which is the Young Professionals Organization. Mm -hmm. You have to be under 40 and running a company worth a million dollars to be invited to this group. And uh, this gentleman is the first American ever to be given the title of Master of Buddhism. And uh, he wrote a book called The Diamond Cutter, which is a story about how he helped create a $100 million a year company. And so uh, after reading this book, I decided to change my whole uh, strategy of uh, people that I was trying to work with. I decided to go after the foreclosures and help these people, try to help these people losing their homes.
1: Yeah, and that's amazing. So let's kind of fast forward from that time to about a year ago. So Uh about a year ago, things really began to hit for you. So what what were you doing? And just kind of bring us from a year ago to, to date. And I think we'll end up just going through the transaction. So just kind of tell us what you were doing and we'll go through the deals.
0: Well, uh, that's exactly what I did Is I started mailing to the foreclosure list, uh, the beginning of 2008. And by that spring, I started to get leads and deals coming my way. And um, my first one was in Denver. Uh, older woman who just couldn't afford it anymore. And the special things I did with her was to help her find a, a rental place uh, to get her into because she she couldn't afford the house. It was basically a, a horrid situation mm-hmm. in, in many ways. We went through nine dumpsters. Wow. Up, 700 square foot house, nine dumpsters. Wow. I don't the even basement know was possible. full, the garage was full. And so... um Uh, that was our, our first one that we, uh, bought subject to and, uh, again, helped her get into another place and, um, we fixed it and, and got it sold. It, uh, didn't really have anything wrong with it. It was just all, you know, it needed to be beautified.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, and, and just general numbers, do you know roughly what
0: your profit was on that transaction? Uh, net was about 75,000
1: about 75,000. And I mean, that's a pretty darn good first deal.
0: It was. Okay. It was. I was, I was, I was pretty happy with it. Yeah. All right.
1: So at that point you have 75 K. Did you change anything in terms of how you were, you were running your business and use that as seed money or what you already had another couple of transactions going at that point,
0: right? Um, Yes. And that was the thing though, you know, of that 75, I actually used that to uh, you know, money came from that to fund the other deal um, I've been doing a little of stealing from Peter to pay Paul as I've been getting my hands on these deals. Uh, I've, but, uh, not, I, I, I shouldn't really say that it's more, uh, you know, looking at it from a, an investor standpoint, I've had to use investor money to fund these deals and, yeah. uh, you know, not having the money myself. And so, um, I, I, for myself, I I think I have a bit of a old school Chicago mindset of that, you know, you need the money in the bank in order to be able to use it. And so going out using money you don't have is a no, no and things like that. And so, you know, there's certain things about my own personality I've had to get over myself Mm -hmm. in order to, uh, work with this business and, and, um, uh, allow it to happen. It, uh, you know, for me, it helps to look at all of this as just a giant game of Monopoly.
1: And I do the same thing, man. And that just makes it so much fun because, right.
0: yeah, you know, anytime. Now, to, to alleviate
1: your stress there, I mean, if you can put a lender in at 60 or 65% of as-is value, mm-hmm. I mean, they're in a very safe position. So i, yes. mean, I put lenders in in second position, uh, not all the time, but fairly often, you know, and, and it's taken me a while for, uh, lenders to be comfortable in second position, but they're a hundred percent comfortable in second position now. Mm-hmm. And I, I have no moral issue in putting them there. So, right. um, that, that makes a lot of sense. So 75 K on your first transaction, let's talk about your second one. So you had your second and your third by the time the first one was closing out or was it just one more?
0: Uh, no, yeah, just one more. Uh, we got our second one then, which is, uh, uh, one that, uh, an older woman who I I wanted to let stay in the house, her health was very poor and it wasn't a cash flowing, uh, deal for me, but there was, it was such a large equity purchase, about 200,000, uh, depending on how you look at it with, you know, ARV after repair value of the house. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see what the numbers turn out on this one, but, um, Her health was so poor that, unfortunately, um, uh, she was removed and and put into care. And so our long-term plan actually became very short-term here. And um, that's um, actually a a bit of a focus that I've been looking at with this. And for whatever reason, maybe it's because of my desire to work with them, but um, the people that are coming to me that uh, are these older ones that want to stay in their home. Mm-hmm. and I'm able to do it. Uh, the equities there, the, the, the payments are there, but, uh, it creates a, a non cash flowing position for me. And so it's not ideal for a newbie like myself that, you know, I, I, I know I need to get a bit of a, a war chest, uh, accumulated to be able to, to fund my deals and, and do these things. But, um, uh, it, uh, it, it can be done. And so it's, You know, going back 25 years ago, when I was working in mortgages and banking, that was a dream I had. Was that uh, I was going to help these old people who, at that point, I was thinking of homes that were free and clear and people that were losing them due to tax liens and how I'd love to go and buy these tax liens and keep these old people in their homes. But I thought, you know, oh, I had to have a home free and clear because how could I afford a debt service and all that kind of stuff. And so uh, now, with what I'm working with, it, um, I'm seeing that. Uh, I can buy some of these homes and and keep these people in them indefinitely, and so um, that that 's what i 'm doing right off right off the bat and so I just bought a house last month in Aurora. Uh, my purchase price was just under ninety thousand, and that one can be valued in the neighborhood around three twenty five three fifty wow wow, yeah. so.
1: How many transactions have you done in roughly the past year, and, and what do you think your equity position is?
0: Well, right now I'm uh, set to close on my fourth uh, next week, and my equity spread, give or take, for this year will be about four hundred thousand. Last year, um, equity spread purchase was about three hundred fifty or so. Mm-hmm. It, um, you know, the, the equity spread in these properties. I always look at it as that—that's taking the property to to market retail, right? And that means if the kitchen and the bathroom are less than five years old, then it needs to be updated. And so everything's expensive here in Denver, and so that means at least thirty to fifty to seventy grand to uh, beautify a house. With this, uh, I, I have a fifth one on my plate. I haven't signed them yet, but if I get them. Uh, there's actually about three hundred thousand in this one. I'm looking at it in Aurora, so that would put me at about seven hundred for the year in equity purchase. So th- there's a,
1: a potential to to in your first year and a half to do right out of million in
0: yes. equity position.
1: Yes. And did you feel like that was something that was achievable before your first transaction to to do that much that fast? Or has uh, this been kind of just a whirlwind to where it's just yes? Like, you crazy. know,
0: I, I I've seen it in the market. I, I see the spreads. I, I, I look at these houses and what they're worth and what people are into them for. And, and, and it's truly mind-boggling here in Denver. Um, in the Den, uh, I read the Denver Post every day and stay abreast of what, what they talk about and, you know, give you an idea of numbers. Uh, in the 2010, when foreclosures hit their peak, we had 46,000 foreclosures in, wow. the, in, in the greater area. My list last year that I mailed to was only 2,500. And so that's only about 50 a week that I was mailing to. And so my list could go up to 900, 1,000. We have another downturn here. And so um, Denver, we are, if you take Seattle out of the picture, which their market is only better than us because of the money from Asia buying the real estate uh, over there. But our economy is the number one in the country. We have the highest percentage of homeowners with the highest percentage of equity spread of any city. Wow, And so we're just, we're, we're booming on all cylinders here. It also kind of stinks though, again, because people are completely, the working class in this town are completely outpriced out of this market.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I've seen the same thing in Nashville where it's just mostly my hub, but we're seeing it in markets across the country where pricing is certainly outpacing uh, wage growth. And yes. with that, you know, there, there's the squeeze and, you know, the, yes. I think there's actually a book called the middle class squeeze, which, uh, kind of outline that which was actually a great pretty pretty darn good book and i'm not much on most business books but it's pretty good so I, I recommend that so you've done super well i mean what do you think is next for you is it to kind of stabilize the business and continue on on the trek that you're going or are you trying to increase it over time
0: uh i'm trying to increase it i i, I change you know really the only change i did to my mailing right now was um Increasing the amount of letters I'm getting out to these people, uh, I'm 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 mailing to them several times rather than once, mm-hmm. uh, and um, right away I think that's gotten me these uh, uh, these two new deals that are you know the fourth and the fifth one here is coming from my additional mailing, and um, uh, yeah, the, the the biggest thing that I'm going through with right now is transitioning myself from the daily work of uh, running my car business, which I'm, I'm basically on call all the time for people. And so my schedule is very erratic. Um, uh, I'll wake up in a day with no business booked. And by the end of it, uh, I've had several clients that just come out of the blue. And so um, that, that's been my, my biggest challenge is, is scheduling just my time to be able to put in And, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm literally a, like a lab rat. The, 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 the alarm goes off and I jump and run (laughs) to, to go get the business. And so, um, I think I'm being a bit more conservative with myself than I need to be in terms of getting away from the car business and putting more into the real estate because of the fact that I haven't really developed the cash flow that I want yet, as opposed to, you know, these equity purchases are fine, but it's all just, in the homes on paper. Right. And so I am not going and leveraging this debt, cashing money out. You know, I'm, I'm trying to be super conservative with what I'm doing because, um, I see another 2008 right around the corner, you know, um, Everybody's talking about it. my more astute uh, corporate clients I have see it coming and with what's happening, but that being said, I know Denver's going to skip like a stone off a pond off of this recession like we did and, and come right out of it yeah. and so th- that is really what I'm, I'm I'm focusing on is trying to work with people or find people that aren't so desperate and in such trouble and are a little easier to help but need help uh selling their home. I see the subject too just t to- i it's we're about to come into our own here in Denver because right now all a person has to do is take their house to a realtor who knows what they're doing and they, they should and c- can get it sold right. if you have it priced right. There's, there are buyers out here for nice homes that are, are ready to sell. And so that's where you see people not being able to sell here in Denver retail is they're asking way too much. They're being too greedy. Or, you know, they, you walk in and you see their 1980s kitchen cabinets that, yes, they look nice. They're, they, the house is clean. It's livable. Move-in ready. but um, not for a millennial buyer that is out looking at all the brand new construction that's out here. It's, mm-hmm. uh, the, that, that's what I've heard and seen is that our buyers who are really the millennials, they don't want to fix anything and they don't want to hire anybody to fix anything. And so right. you really need a property that is, is fixed, everything's working and ready to go.
1: Well, that first rehab you did was beautiful. When you sent me the pictures, I was like, "Man, you know, you never really know what you're going to get with somebody's first rehab," but it was uh-huh. just to the nine, just a beautiful job.
0: Well, you know, I have to chalk that up to the fact that I worked with a really good construction firm in Boulder years ago, and uh, he has now evolved to uh, a design new design builder. He doesn't even do the rehabs, and so um, I got to see what it takes to fix a house right. Yeah, and how Murphy's Law. Is everywhere. What can go (laughs) wrong? And so, um, yeah. But that's the attitude that I'm taking for everything that I'm doing here. Is that in order to make money in real estate, you have to put value into the equation somewhere, somehow. And so that's what I see the opportunity here in Denver is that there's 10, 20, 30 years of deferred maintenance in so many of these properties. And yeah, these people are in a house that's worth 400000 and they, they owe 200000 but they haven't done anything for the last 20 years. And so they can't get 400,000 for that property. It's worth only 350 and they just can't see it. You know, these days people go on their phone or on their computer and they look at Zillow and they go, Oh, that's what my house is worth. Right. 400,000. And so there, there's a big disconnect in my opinion between reality of, you know, uh, how, how market forces actually work and what people expect. And, um, it is what it is. You know, this is this is what we, we, we have to work with. Right now, we've already started to see an exodus starting to happen in Denver where people are leaving that have come here to start working because they can't buy a house. Yeah. You know, couples don't want to start a family in an apartment. And the builders here, all they are building, I shouldn't say all they're building, you know, they're building homes. But to give you an idea, I think this was a figure for 2017 that I'm quoting here, but it was, uh, they had over 100,000 people come to the Denver metro area with only 25,000 housing starts. Yeah. And and so all they're building are the high end apartments because that's the only margin that these builders can make. And there's only so many people that can afford a luxury apartment.
1: Right. Yeah. And so you will continue to see that exodus at least until wages increase or we see uh, a balancing out in in real estate pricing, which I think will happen To, to talk about the 08 scenario. Um, Do I think we're due for a correction? Certainly. I don't see anything as catastrophic as 2008, but you know, could certainly be wrong. And and I'm not sure that it wouldn't help all of our businesses that are in the owner finance game, or at least know how to do it to have an 08 scenario, you know? So if it happens, you know, it's certainly not going to be a bad day for us. It's just, you know, a a slight tweak in what we're doing. So um, let's, let's kind of switch gears and talk about mindset because I think it's so important and I think it's, it's something that so few people are self-aware enough to realize that it, it's something that is that important. You know what I mean? So just talk about mindset and do you see that it's something that you work on yourself or are you just generally this positive and, and have this much belief in yourself?
0: Oh, it's, it's definitely been a work in progress for me. It, um, that, for me, I have identified as being my number one obstacle uh, was getting over my old beliefs and conceptions of what I can and cannot do. It um, I had very high expectations for myself coming out of high school into college. You know, I from the age of I don't know when I was convinced. You know, I'm going to be a surgeon. I was going to be a brain surgeon. That's what I thought I was going to school to go to do, and. Um, since I didn't go on that path uh you know I've I've had some uh you know jobs that people would ask me up you know what are you doing this for when I would tell them where I I went to school Uh, my alma mater is UCLA and you know whenever I tell people that they you know they're always struck by it. It, it it was a great school number one of the best research schools in the in the world not just the country um and so it uh that's what I have found myself having to go through was I didn't go out and strike it like I thought I was going to when I was young. Mm-hmm. And because I had that, uh, those, those failures, I was looking as myself at, as one. And, uh, it's taken me going through, um, you know, different reading. I, I love all the old classics, you know, Napoleon Hill, think and grow rich and definitely uh, a lot of Brian Tracy and, Steve Harvecker and these other, uh, you know, uh, Robert Kiyosaki is a favorite of mine. I'm I'm, I'm basically reading his whole library of different authors who write about the subjects of business and and personal finance. And um, what I have found is that uh, there's just so many old school ideas that uh, hold people back these days, they're obsolete, you know, go to school, get good grades, get a good job, work for 40 years and retire. And, you know, that paradigm doesn't work these days anymore. Not at all. Most people need and go through five different complete careers in their, in their lifetimes now. And so, um, and so I had to get over, you know, that was a beautiful thing about going out and uh, starting this limo business. Again, I've been driving around suits and corporate execs uh, uh, for Denver here uh, for three years. And the first year, I envied them quite a bit. After that, not at all. I am so happy the path that I'm on of creating my own path and forging my own uh, career because uh, those guys work like slaves. I've had yeah. one after another tell me, yeah. Uh, you know, they're traveling to this city, to that city, but here I pick them up after they've been in meetings for eight hours a day and they're on their phone the entire way to the airport so that as they're saying on the phone, they can type out the emails on the plane and they just, they work like dogs. And they tell me about how, yeah, I get about two weeks with my family out of the year. That's all they get is two weeks. And so, um, that has been a, a big thing, is recognizing where I was at and the fact that I actually did have a lot of these old thoughts and these, a lot of these old beliefs, like everybody else, that I had to get rid of and basically exercise those ghosts out of my mind to be able to uh, really amazing with being a real estate investor, you know, uh, driving a car, telling people I'm doing that. For the first couple of years, they all looked at me and were like, "Oh yeah, really? Oh, that's great. And it wasn't until I, I have done some deals now and I've flipped some properties that people see the the proof is in the pudding now. And uh, now I have some of these people coming to me that I know are going to be my investors and I'm going to be able to sell houses to here in, in the future. It'll be a good pool to uh, dip into. But, you know, there's there's part of us, I guess, we're all from the state of Missouri in America of how, you know, people don't believe it until they see it. Yeah. And so. um but, you know, the way the world works is actually the opposite. You're not going to see it until you believe it that you can do it.
1: Man, that's so 100% right. And to talk about the corporate world, you know, I w- I finished college in 2008. And uh, my undergrad was in accounting. And so I was going to do the CPA thing. And, and I was doing that because I really didn't have enough belief that I could do the investing side. You know, I'd mm-hmm. never bought and sold a house. I'd been a real estate agent for, you know, four or five years at that point. But it was just like, I got into accounting for about 30 days and it, it was just like, I cannot do this. You know, it's just like, like literally, I think I lasted 33 days because I got my first paycheck and I worked like a half a week after that. And I was just like, I cannot do this. The, the, the partner at the firm, he yelled at me and he's like this short guy. I'm not like against short people, but he like wanted to let everyone know he wasn't short, you know, and it was just like, man, I, I did not go to school for four years for this. And then I got my first check which was roughly about a third of what I was used to when I was selling real estate. Cause I was running a model home and we were selling new construction. Just like, man, this is just not it. You know, it's like, I did not bust my ass for this man, like at all. And luckily uh, my fiance at the time, we were getting married in three months and she said, well, just quit. I was like, you don't understand like it's a terrible real estate market. You know, everything's bad. You know, she's like, you'll figure it out. Just quit. And as the, the second best decision I've ever made. The first one was marrying her. <laughs> the second one was qu- quitting accounting and, and doing this. Cause it's like, you know, look, so uh, to talk about that, uh, uh, last week I was in Seaside, Florida. And so it was my wife's 33rd birthday and every week we try to go to, uh, to somewhere. Usually it's the panhandle of Florida and the weather was perfect. And, and I actually caught a sinus infection while I was down there, but we were at the end of our stay and I was like, you know, I think I want to stay another day. So just like book another day because I don't have a boss that I have to go to and say like, please, sir or ma'am, can I like, please have this extra day? It's like, no, not for me. So what do you think is, is the plans on the marketing side to to scale the business? So you're doing a little bit more direct mail. Do you have anything uh, kind of in the works? Are you going to try some cold calling? Are you going to do any ringless voicemail or what's the plans for the next year?
0: I I, I think that's exactly it is, um, you hit it right there. Uh, I, I need to go after these existing leads I have a bit more uh, aggressively, meaning just putting more touches upon them. And so I, I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna do exactly that, which is to uh, skip trace, uh, basically get phone numbers for these people and uh, start calling them. And, um, I also want to employ expanding my direct mail with what you had suggested to me, which is also going after the mortgage lates, uh, the 30, 60 and 90 day mortgage lates. And, um, you know, I, I still have a, a bit of a desire, uh, to implement going after some of these pretty homes, quote unquote, if you will, uh, you know, people who aren't in trouble, um but i really think it's going to take for the market to slip for it to make it attractive for those people to come to me because otherwise they're just a, a bit too hesitant there's still just uh uh people can get the, the 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 prices that they want and so you know the the people that are panicking right now are only the ones that have a house worth over half a million in this town which yeah. is quite a bit you know there's a lot of people but um there's just not a market of enough people buyers to, 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 to buy those homes. Um, and so you, you, really have to find a, the super couple each earning a good wage at good jobs to be able to, to afford those houses. And so, um, that is still a little bit, uh, up, up in the air. That, that's something I have to work on. I've been watching you guys in the group and seeing what other people are talking about, about, you know, yellow, yellow letters and what's working Mm -hmm. and what's not. and, it it does seem uh you know i've heard you use the the phrase you know who stole the the cheese type of moments with people are are doing different things and um so i'm not really in any rush to dive into to anything new although uh uh i i do see that i i i need to up my efforts somewhere because i'm getting to the point where i have time on my hands during the day that I need to be employing it towards an activity that is, uh, I'm basically trying to uh, recognize the Pareto, if I'm saying it correctly, rule, which is, you know, the 80-20 rule. Right. Um, Concentrating on the 20% that's getting me the results and learning how to get rid of the 80 that is not.
1: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And and you'll continue to do that. So, uh, we can talk off record about the marketing that you, you want to do and, and come up with a plan for that. Okay. Uh, just so that we can talk in specifics. Um, so last question for, for someone that's a newer investor or they're struggling in their business because it's not an easy business. And one of the main reasons I wanted to bring you on is, you know, like you really made the commitment to do this business in 16, but it wasn't until 18 that you really began to to, to have that that snowball effect in the business where things began to to really, really work well. Yes. What advice would you give that person? So they're starting or, or they've been going for a while and they're struggling. What advice do you have for them to, to continue in the business?
0: Well, uh, I think it was, you know, in the beginning of your training, you go through how it's important to recognize the energy level that you're at mm-hmm. as you're evolving as an investor. And uh, for me... Being aware of these things beforehand makes it so much easier going through it as you're going through it. And so I would have to say that, you know, like many people do, I kind of did it the hard way on how I was focusing on all of the stuff with the real estate in terms of how how do you do it and what's the paperwork and what's the procedure and i i wanted to master all these little details when i didn't realize that what i really needed to work on at the same time if not more so was just my my mindset and how i thought during the day and how how i think about myself affects my tone of voice and how I talk to the people that I'm talking to out there in the market. If you don't believe in yourself, nobody's going to believe in yourself. And so it, um, it's it's just like respect. If you don't have respect for yourself, you can't give it to anybody else. And so uh, I, I really had to learn how to have a belief in myself Yes. Which, um, like I said, you know, I, I, I went through it the hard way. It was, um, as you say in your training, you know, you get to a point where you're operating at like 60% energy level. And that's hard to keep trading water and keep your head above water when you're having those bad days. And I had some, some really bad days uh, here and there. But um, I think the thing that really uh, is how you got to keep your eye on the prize. And what is it that you want? And, and keep your whys in front of you. And the, the, the why is the most important thing. The how will take care of itself. Yes. And, and then so once you establish your whys, you can study how to do it. And you'll figure it out. You, know, there's a, you will learn how to do this stuff. Um, mastery and you know, an overnight success takes 10 years if you look out there, you know, yeah. whether it's an actor, or music, you know, anybody, you hear these people overnight success and nobody looks at the decade of work that they put into getting there. And so, um, it, uh, I, I'm actually very pleased with where I'm at right now. Uh, uh, I think that was probably one of, uh, the biggest things I had to get over was, getting over the myth of the overnight success, you know, people don't get involved in this business and boom, they're a millionaire in a year, 12 months. And so it's, um, it's a matter of, uh, you know, don't believe the hype, believe in what's real. And, uh, but you have to establish that. Why, why, why am I doing this? And financial freedom is everything. It's everything. It, uh, going back to that book and the, the diamond cutter, when I create wealth in my life, I can bring wealth to everybody else's life. Yep. I can spread wealth everywhere I go. And, um, and so that's kind of the attitude I have right now. I, I, I feel like I'm becoming King Midas, except I don't think I'm going to be cursed. I think I'm going to be able to <laughs> t- touch whatever I want and create gold everywhere. And, uh, and that's, that's, that's what I want to do. I, I, I want to create something here that goes way beyond who I am and, uh, and help a lot of people. And so, um, this is just the beginning. It's a, you know, I see the numbers I'm creating now and I'm just getting started. I still don't know what I'm doing. Wait till (laughs) I figure out what I'm doing here. It's going to be pretty cool. Well, I'd say, you know, a little bit more
1: than, than you don't know what you're doing, but, uh, man, I'll tell you, it's been so much fun to watch. It's been so much fun to watch because you. you know, it's, uh, it's, I could tell from the very beginning how committed you were. And it's like if you have the commitment, like you said, like you have the why, you have the commitment, everything mm-hmm. else will take care of itself. Yeah, and so I agree that that's just so great, man. I appreciate your time. I appreciate you coming on with us. I know that people have really enjoyed this, and and I would say that there's more than just a few people right now that are hearing this, and and we're kind of on the fence if they were going to continue to to keep going, and now they've said, you know, what? I'm I've got to do this. So that's I great. hope so. All right, man. Appreciate it very much, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Brad.